The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Well, why don't you hold your Bible, lift it up real high, shout, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter, a doer, not just a hearer. Today, I'll learn from God's Word and my life will never be the same because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Amen. So today we're starting a brand new series. We're going to be talking about what I like to call saved and empowered by grace. And in brackets or in parentheses, not works. Saved and empowered by grace and not works. So how many of you know that we are saved uh, by His grace? We are not saved by our own works. Amen? Uh, Romans chapter number 1 from verse 16 to 17. The apostle Paul said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it, the gospel, is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein, therein the gospel, is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So we see here the Apostle Paul uh, says that he was not ashamed uh, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that word gospel, before Jesus went on to the cross, seldom did they even use that word uh, to refer to anything because nothing at that time uh, warranted them using such a word. It's such an extravagant uh, word in terms of what it stands for. The word gospel there is the Greek word uh, excugion. You know, uh, uh, if you want to spell it, if you write in down notes, it's E-U-G-G-E-L-I-O-N. And what that word means is the nearly too good to be true news. What that word simply means is uh, this news is so good, it's borderline lies. It's inches away from being a lie. That's what he's saying when he says uh, the gospel. I'm not saying the gospel is a lie. I'm saying it's nearly too good to be true. That's how awesome it is when you realize what Jesus did for us uh, on the cross. It's the gospel. And he said in that or in knowing the gospel, in learning about the gospel, is the power of God. And that word power there speaks of God's ability to deliver results to us. If you want to live a fruitful life, if you want to live a life of results, you need to have an encounter with the gospel. You need to have an encounter with what Jesus did for us on the cross. If you want to live a life of results, if you want to go places, lay hands on the sick and they recover, you want to see uh, your, 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 whatever you put your hands to do, prosper, you want to see yourself giving life, being a life-giving believer, you need to have an encounter, a true revelation of the salvation of God that comes through the gospel. Salvation only comes through one way. It comes through what Jesus did on the cross, and that's the only way to sustain the Christian life. It's grace that sustains the Christian life. It's not works. Amen. 
I said, Amen. So the Apostle Paul says, uh, in the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. That word salvation there is the Greek word soterio, and uh, the noun, uh, uh, that's the noun, a uh, word soterio. The verb for that is sozo. We see it in uh, Romans chapter number 10, verse 9. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, thou shalt be saved. When he says thou shalt be saved, he's saying that shalt be sozoed. And if you look at both the words, they carry this meaning. To be saved or to be sozoed simply means this, to be delivered from life-threatening situations. See, when you understand the gospel, Corona, COVID-19 ain't no issue. Oh, I thought I was going to get some amen. See, when you understand the gospel, you already know I have been delivered. See, a lot of people have a limited revelation of the gospel of salvation because they think uh, that salvation is just fire insurance. They think that salvation is just escaping hell. They think that salvation kicks in when they die. And they forget that salvation starts the day you get born again. And part of it is deliverance. It is to be delivered from life-threatening situations. It also means to be healed. You get to experience healing through the work of the cross, through what Jesus did for you and I at the cross. You don't get to experience healing uh, through what you do for God or what you do for you. Sometimes you get so sick, you haven't even had enough time to fast before you got sick. So how are you going to get healed? So you don't get healed through your own works. You get healed through what Jesus did for you and I on the cross. And if you don't have a clue of what Jesus paid for you and the, on the cross, it is as a man uh, who has had a rich man leave a will for. I mean, if one of the rich billionaires uh, die and they leave a will and it happens to have your name on it, how many of you know that you will never benefit from it if you never get to hear about it? So the reason why we have to teach about the salvation benefits, the salvation packs, is so that you and I can activate our faith and we begin to start taking advantage of what Jesus has already paid for on the cross. Man, you'll be out here eating pap and chakalaka when you have a will that says a billion belongs to your name. But if you get to find out about it and you start taking steps, of faith towards claiming it, guess what? Before you know it, it will hit your account. And that's what we're talking about today. Don't just limit salvation to fire insurance. Yeah. Salvation is more than that. And it comes by grace. Amen? Uh, something else that it means, it means prosperity. Jesus died on the cross so that you and I could be prospered. It also means to be justified before God. So all these things Jesus died for so that they could be a part of our born-again experience. Scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, He became sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. People who have a revelation of grace and salvation ought to be the most bold people in the earth. You know why? Because Scripture says the righteous are as bold as a lion. 
And you can only achieve righteousness through putting your confidence and trust in that which Jesus accomplished on the cross. And I know some of you are thinking, yeah, Pastor T, that's great, but I would also like to get some righteousness of my own. Well, they tried it in the Old Testament. They tried to, you know, get into relationship with God through uh, keeping the law, and God looked at all the good things that they had done, and you know what he called it? He said it's just filthy rags, and that's an understatement of what the real Hebrew word mean, what God really said after he had seen all their effort to try and get into relationship with him was it's just menstrual rags. In other words, it didn't please God. See, when we try to get into relationship with our own effort, we actually stifle the power of God. Man, if you're trying to get people healed through your own powerful prayers, you've already missed it. People are going to get healed because of what Jesus did on the cross. That's why anybody can participate. He says, believers shall lay hands on the sick, and the sick shall recover. It's the powerful believer. But how does the believer get to be powerful? By coming into an encounter with the gospel. And here I have to say, many, many people haven't heard the gospel. They've heard the rule book. You know, I used to think the Bible was a, a, a collection of do's and don'ts. Thou shalt not. Thou shalt. I mean, we could find a scripture that says men shall, shall not wear women's garments. But then we could also find pictures of the Apostle Paul wearing a dress. So it was a mess. Amen? And we couldn't find a scripture about other things, like smoking cigarettes. Is it good? Is it bad? Oh, yeah, let me look in Scripture. I couldn't find it. So the Bible is not a collection of do's and don'ts because you don't get into relationship with God through keeping the do's and the don'ts. You get into relationship with God through grace, through what Jesus did for you and I at the cross. Amen. Let's go to Romans chapter number 3. We're going to read from verse 23 to 26. Thank you, Jesus. It says in Romans 3, 23 to 26, For all... Someone say all. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Verse 24, being justified. So that's the first word I want you to write down if you're writing down notes. Write being justified. And the next one, he says, being justified freely by his grace. So we got our justification with God freely through this thing called grace. And he says, by his grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Verse 25, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness. Because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. And verse 26, to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So God gets to justify those who have faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But there's some three words there I just want to define for you and get you to be uh, in full understanding. The first one is justification. Uh, the word justification simply means God then sat in the uh, court of heaven and declared those who put their confidence and trust in Jesus Christ free. He justified them. It was as if they have not committed any sin. Amen? 
And the second thing, uh, the second word we see here uh, of what Jesus did for us on the cross is that he redeemed us. He used that word redemption. And that word redeem means when Jesus was on the cross, he literally bought us back from the slave market of the enemy, from the slave market of sin. Jesus literally redeemed us. He set us free from the slave market, which you and I could not set ourselves free through our own works. There was a price to be paid, but how many of you know that slaves don't earn wages? If you are a slave, you don't earn wages, right? So if the penalty to be paid for you to be a free man is 100,000 rand, it doesn't matter how much work you put in, you ain't getting nothing at the end of the month. So slaves were trying to earn 100,000 rand through their own effort. And they couldn't get themselves free. You know why? Because once you get into the slave market, the only way to come out of it is when someone redeems you from outside of the slave market. And that's why Jesus came and redeemed us. We couldn't do it with our own works because slaves don't earn money. So your works could not save you. Your works can't bring you salvation. Amen? And if your works can't save you, your works didn't redeem you, what makes you think that your works will sustain you? This is going to take away condemnation, but it will also take away, you know, when your flesh is tickling you, trying to get you to glory in the flesh, man, it will completely take that spirit away when you realize it's all by grace. You can't show up and say, ah, then I showed up and I said, give me the mic and then you know me. No, 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 no. It was all by grace. You can't show up and say, then I came and I prayed prayers and then they got healed. No, it wasn't your prayers that got them healed. You see, once you start having an encounter with grace, it completely takes away, you know, this uh, Christian celebrityism that we see in the church today. It completely deals away with it because you realize the ground is flat at the cross. Amen. You realize, hey, all had sinned and all fell short of the, everybody was guilty. The good ones and the bad ones. In fact, let's do this. Let me get two chairs. Can I get two chairs? And and Pastor Henry and Marshall, do you want to join me here? Uh, Let's show you what the law was saying. And we're going to get these guys to, to, to do an illustration. Just one chair, actually. Just one chair. Only one. Only one. Okay. So, we have two cats, yeah, we have two guys that are standing with me. Uh, Pastor Henry is the bad one. He's, he's the bad dude. I mean, this dude, this dude cusses and uh, smokes and he chews and he runs with those that do, okay? I mean, he's a bad dude. He's, he's, he's doing all the crazy things that you can ever imagine. I mean, this dude is crazy. And then Marshall over here is our Pharisee. He's the good guy. I mean, he keeps the law. I mean, this dude tithes even bread. When he buys bread at Pick and Pay, I mean, he takes 10% and he gives to the... I mean, this dude keeps the law. But here's the deal. God has given a law. And the law was, whoever touches the roof makes it into salvation. So with Marshall's works, he gets to be elevated a little bit above Henry. But the deal was to touch the roof. So let's see if they can touch the roof. 
And so God looks at both of them and he says, oh no, they fell short. The one who's good and the one who's bad, both fell short. Do you see that? So it doesn't matter how good you are, you couldn't cut it in your own strength. God said, ah, all of them fell short of the glory of God. So they need somebody to justify them. They need somebody to redeem them. And the third word we see, thank you, fellas, is they need to, someone to propitiate them. And the word propitiation there simply means, uh, let me use this analogy, you know, if, if you went to a court of law for a crime that you committed, let's say, you know, you were driving uh, uh, to, 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 to Durban and uh, you, 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 you drove 100 kilometers on a 60-kilometer zone, right? And then the cops saw you and they stopped you. And they said, Baba, you're driving 100 on 60. Now, if you're driving anything above uh, 30 kilometers, uh, if you are above speed limit by more than 30 kilometers an hour, you're going straight to court. Don't ask me how I know that. You, you're not, no, you're not getting a ticket. You're going straight to court, okay? And now uh, they catch you and they say, see you on Monday at court. And then as you walk into the court, you happen, you happen to see something interesting. As you walk into the court, you see, ah, my father is the judge. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. My dad is the judge. But to your surprise, at the end of the court session, your dad declares guilty. 15,000 rand. And you are sweating bullets. But something else seemed to happen that caught your attention. When he declared guilty, you took off his uh, uh, gown, his, his, his role as a judge, and then he walked around and came and stood next to you in the box. And he said, don't worry about it. I'm going to pay for it. That's what propitiation is. Propitiation is where mercy and justice meet at the mercy seat of God in heaven. God is just. And a lot of people think that God just kind of turned a blind eye on sin. They think grace is where God just say, you know, I'm just turning a blind eye, just kind of sweeping everything under the rug. No, God did to declare us guilty. He said all have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us were declared sinners, but after he declared us sinners, he left heaven and came as a man, Jesus, and came and paid the penalty that you and I were supposed to pay. For the demands of justice had demanded that you and I die because the wages of sin is death. But Jesus said, no, you don't have to pay for that death. I'm going to die in your place. And because of that, you and I can walk scot-free. That's why scripture says in 1 John 2 verse 2, Christ, not your works, Christ is the propitiation of our sin. Not for ours only, but for the entire world. See, when you start having an encounter with grace, you can live your life in any high-pressure environment. Pastoring is a high-pressure environment because every call that I get is high-pressure. Well, most of the calls that I get is high-pressure calls. They say, Pastor, I'm just calling you to let you know we are pushing him into surgery right now. Or, Pastor, I'm just calling you to let you know that he is in ICU right now. 
Now, how do you get to pray for people that consistently are in high-pressure situations if you are a believer? How do you get to deliver the life of God? How do you get to be the light? How do you get to be the salt if you keep your eyes on Jesus and not your own works? Because guess what? When they call you and they say, we're pushing him into surgery, sometimes you haven't had enough time to declare fast. <laughs> Amen? Amen? So your works were out of line. So your works can deliver. But let me tell you, your works have never been meant to deliver any of the power of God. The only thing that's supposed to deliver the power of God is the finished work of the cross. Man, if you can keep your eyes on the finished work of the cross, you are going to walk in power. It says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. We've seen many people healed in this church. We've seen people uh, delivered from life-threatening situations where they were in ICU six months and God came, Jesus delivered them. We've seen people delivered from uh, life-threatening diseases, incurable things. Uh, we've seen people healed of cancers. We've seen people healed of all kinds of things in this church. And how did we get to see all of that? Because we've decided to just... Just keep our eyes on what Jesus did on the cross. As you keep your eyes on what Jesus did on the cross, his power begins to flow in the church. The most powerful churches in the earth should be grace churches. Because they're right in the game. Amen? I said amen. And so the law was never given for us to keep it. It was given for us to realize we couldn't keep it. And when we have realized we can't keep it, we despair and we start looking for a savior. And all of a sudden, Jesus becomes relevant to you. Christianity is the only religion. If you want to classify it as a religion, it's the only religion. It's not a religion. It's a relationship. It's the only religion uh, that is a savior. Every other religion, you have to save yourself. But we already told you, slaves can't set themselves free because there is no wages in the slave system. So you are about to burn out. Religion will burn you out. But grace will give you life. Man, you need to flow in the grace of God. Can I get an amen? amen. And so 2 Corinthians 5.21, we see the great exchange. He made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So I want to submit to you, brothers and sisters, that sin is no longer an issue with God. God does not relate to you based on what you do or don't do. Because if he did, all of us would be fried. Well, some of you think you would have a chance. Well, Jesus came and spoke to the Pharisees who thought they would have a chance keeping the law. And he said, do you realize that the law is so high and mighty if you just look at a woman lustfully? Echa. And some of you, but pastor, I didn't touch. No, according to the law, you've already broken the law. And the apostle James said, ah, manje, if you break one part of the law, you've already broken every part of the law. So just quit trying. (laughs) And realize that it's all by grace. It's not by keeping the law. So the next question I hear coming out, I can see it. I can see the next question coming out. Does it mean we should live our lives in sin? Well, the Apostle Paul got that question, and this is what he said, Romans 6, verse 1. 
Does this mean we should live in sin because of this? Why would you even want to sin? I mean, sin is stupid. Sin is dumb. Sin will cause you problems. Amen? Sin will open up a door for the devil to come into your life and just wreak havoc. I mean, sin is a, sin is a mess. You go out, you cheat on your spouse, they're going to leave you. And you're going to come to my office, Pastor, oh, please can you help me get it back? No, I'm, no. <laughs> What were you, you should have thought about it, right? I'm telling you, I, I, no. Mm-mm. Do your thing, bro. And then you're going to lose influence over your children. Because they're going to look at you like, ah, that clown. He's, he's a clown. That dude is a clown. No, I'm being real. Sin is stupid. They're going to look at you like, oh, man, that dude, he's just a clown. They're not going to listen to you. You're a pastor. You know, my kids are stubborn. No, they're not. Okay, okay, okay. All right, okay. Back, back to grace. I'm preaching grace. Come on. This is what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 6 verse 1. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? He says, God forbid. And that's a double negative. He's saying, no, no. How shall we who died to sin live any longer to it? In other words, how shall we who have now changed our lives at the root system still produce a fruit of sin. It does not compute. Did you see what it says? It says, how shall we who died to sin? You and I have died to sin. We are dead to sin. Amen? And how many of you know that you can't tempt a dead man? You, know, you can't have a dead man uh, sleeping in his uh, casket and a, and a woman walked past with a short skirt and he, he's trying to get up from... No, you're dead. Stay dead. We're going to bury you. Amen? Amen? Dead men don't get temptation. You are dead. I'm dead. We're all dead. I remember a few years ago, uh, I went to visit a business uh, with my business partners at the time. And then in South Africa, the law is when you... Uh, come into a building, you sign in, and you put your details, your cell phone number, your email, as you sign in, and you go into the meeting, and you do whatever you have to do, and when you go out, you uh, sign out, so that they can control who comes in and who goes out. They want to know, you know, what kind of people you are, so that if there's any problem, they can, you know, fix it. So, uh, we went into this meeting, we left, and we went back to our office, and as I was getting to the office, it was about 5.30, on that day, I got a message uh, and it said, hey, how are you? Uh, 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 I trust that the meeting was successful. And I said, yeah, the meeting was successful. Who might this be? And then he says, oh, it's the girl at the reception. And I said, okay, what's up? And she said, yeah, I was wondering if we could do coffee uh, on the weekend. Now, I'm a dead man. She didn't even know that. He didn't know I died to that life. So you know what I did? I said, delete, block. That's what I did. Now, so, you know why? Because I'm a grace man. I know that, you know, God loves it and grace or whatever and so on and so forth. But I also have wisdom. Now, some of you men who don't have wisdom say, yeah, okay, maybe I should go and preach the gospel to her. Maybe I should go and pray, preach the gospel to her. It's just a coffee. I'm going to help her. Maybe she, she's got issues. Now, bro, let me help you out. You're going to get into trouble. 
Amen. Amen. Aren't your neighbor and say, stay dead? We need to stay dead. Amen. So the apostle Paul says, he's now using logic. He says, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer there? It does not compute. It does not add up. And he goes on to say in verse 14 of Romans chapter number 6, he says, for sin shall not have dominion over you. See, once you come alive in Christ, sin does not control you anymore. If you want to defeat sin, step into grace. You know why? Because 1 Corinthians 15 verse 56 says the law is the strength of sin. If you want to make sin stronger, go with the law. And I remember in high school, they would paint a wall white. I mean, that was awesome. And everybody can see this wall is white, and we all have enough sense to know don't touch the white wall because, you know, you're going to make it dirty. But here's where they would make the mistake. They would then write, do not touch. I mean, you were doing well all along. Why did you have to write that? Now, the moment they wrote, do not touch, something in us, all of us boys just kind of get stirred up, like, oh, man, uh, do not touch, okay, uh. I mean, they would, you know, manicure the grass and just make it beautiful. And everybody knows you need to walk on the pathway, right? By grace. But here's where they would make the mistake. Don't walk on the grass. We were doing well. You know why? Because the law strengthens sin. Never live your life based on trying to keep the law. You're going to die doing it. I mean, religion almost killed me. 2002, I remember 2002, four of us boys, we used to share a house, a big house in Arari, and, uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, we were all Christians. We loved the Lord, and I remember one of the guys was not working at the time. He was in between jobs, so he would stay home and watch, you know, Christian television all day, and all of, other, uh, all of us boys, would, we were in church. Uh, we were loving the Lord, but man, we were burning out, just trying to keep the law and being religious. Back then, man, I was not a nice person to be around. Just trying to do the law and just, oh, I mean, he was just crazy. <laughs> he was crazy. Until this guy came back from work and he said, man, you need to watch this old white dude. 2002. He said, you need to watch this old white dude and see what he was talking about, Grace. And I went and I watched uh, Andrew Womack. He was talking about Grace. And man, he completely saved my life. When I say Andrew saved my life, a lot of people say, you know, Andrew saved you from uh, uh, living a sinful life. No, he didn't. He saved me from religion. Religion almost killed me. Man, religion will kill you. Trying to keep the law, trying to save yourself will kill you. Amen? You need to depend on a Savior and on what Jesus did on the cross. And when you do, man, life is so free and it's just so liberating to be where the Spirit of the Lord is. You know why? Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Now I'm a nicer person to be around, man. I just love life. You know why? Because I'm saved by grace. Not by my own effort. Does it mean I don't pray? No, I pray because I want to. I pray because I love to spend time with my Heavenly Father. I don't pray because I have to keep up with the schedule. And how many of you know that there is a difference? The motive has to be the key. See, when you're doing relationship based on the law, there's a difference from when you're doing relationship based on grace and motivated by love. 
If I'm watching rugby or football with the boys uh, at, at one of the boys' house, and, uh, and I, you know, one of the boys got up and said, hey, listen, I have to go home uh, because my wife told me if I don't come home before 7 p.m., I'm going to sleep outside, and then boom, it takes off. And the other one gets up and he says, man, I need to get home because I want to put the kids to sleep. I want to read them a bedtime story, and I want to spend time with my wife. Uh, boys, I can't bewitch you anymore, and I'm going to leave you. I can assure you, if you go to both their houses, you're going to find the two men. But the other one is motivated by the law. In fact, the one who's motivated by law might just walk into the room at 6.59, 54 seconds, 55 seconds, 50. 6, 57, 58, 59. Yeah. They made 7 p.m., right? And the one who's motivated by grace, they want to read the bedtime story, they're going to be there 6.15. You know why? Because you tend to do more motivated by grace than you do motivated by works and the law. When I used to tithe under the law, I would make sure I give God to the penny, 1,000. 456 rand, 33. To make sure that I'm not stealing from you, O oh Lord, but I will certainly be sure to not let you steal from me. Just a terrible attitude. But when you start giving and tithing under grace, man, now I round upwards several hundreds. You know why? Because it's by grace. I'm motivated by love. There's a difference. Amen? And so the Apostle Paul says in Romans 6, 14, Sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Verse 15, What then shall we sin, because we are not under the law and under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey? Servants are you to obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. So grace empowers us to live righteous lives. It's just awesome. Grace is the fuel that makes you win and live a life of victory. It says in Titus 2, 11 to 12, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us to deny ungodliness, worldly lusts, so that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. So grace is the fuel that you need for you to live right. Amen. So, you living right is not the root to your relationship with God. It's just a byproduct of having this relationship that grace started in what Jesus did on the cross. It just takes away the strength of sin. Man, I love it. I love to live by grace. You know why? Because all of a sudden, I have more strength. I have authority. Now, a chocolate cake can't tell me what to do at 9.30 p.m. in the evening. Now I can fight back. Someone shout me too, if you mean it. <laughs> Some of you, you are getting ready to go to sleep. Just the chocolate cake starts calling you. Tafala! <laughs> oh man, I'm going to get up and just get that cake. Come on. You have control and dominion over it. Amen. I said amen. You are empowered to now say no. True Bible grace empowers us to live free from sin rather than in sin. Jesus defeated sin for us on the cross, and now we can live in the love of God and his grace. Quickly, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, verse 10. We're going to close with these two scriptures, and we'll be out of here. Is this blessing you? Yes. 
I want to shout, I'm free, man. I'm free. <clears throat> you know what's cool about this is uh, it takes away all the pressure on you to perform. You know, when you pray for the sick, you're not praying for them because you're all powerful or try to get power from you. If you do and they get healed, you're going to be in trouble when they don't get healed. It's going to be condemnation. So the pressure is not on you for your success, just like the pressure is not on you if nothing happens or seems to happen in the natural. And when you start walking that path of grace, man, you are about to start winning. Amen? The reason why I'm so bold to pray for the sick is not because of what Tafara did. No, I don't, I, I don't know anything. I haven't done anything. The only thing we get boldness from is what Jesus did on the cross. And if we can fix our eyes on Jesus. And sometimes I listen to some of these healing testimonies, and I'm thinking, man, it's so confusing now. Who, who really got you healed? Because they're talking about all these things, and then, you know, I got this healing band, and then I drew a line in the sand. I'm like, come on, man, just shut up. <laughs> it's Jesus who healed you. It's not what you did. Amen? I said amen. So here the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10, but whatever I am now, it is because God poured out his special favor on me. Let me read it first in the King James, if you don't mind. And then we're going to go to the uh, New Living Translation. Here's what it says. It says, but by the grace of God. The what? I didn't hear that. I almost heard that. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain, which means his grace of God can be in vain. Did you see that? The Apostle Paul says, for me, it was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was in me. Did you see that? Man, this is a powerful Bible verse that reveals to us that we can even begin to do more depending on the grace of God. The Apostle Paul is saying the grace of God was the jet fuel. It was the octane that fueled me to do even more than anybody else. Watch what it says in the New Living Translation. Thank you, Jesus. It says, but whatever I am now, it is because... God poured out his special favor on me. Grace is also favor, unmerited favor. You know that? Uh, he poured his special favor on me and not without results. For I have worked harder than any of the other apostles. You know, people that have a revelation of grace should outrun anybody else. You know why? Because you and I have fuel in the tank. People that have a revelation of grace should have more excellence than any other people. Grace churches should be more excellent than legalistic churches. But sometimes you walk around, I think it was Jackie Cronbeck, she asked me this question five years ago, never had an answer for her until today. She said to me, Pastor T, how come Grace churches are dying and they just kind of, they lack enthusiasm and everybody just kind of show up, pick up the guitar, say good morning, how are you today? We're going to sing praise and worship and just jing, 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 jing. Come on, where is the excellence? They haven't come into full revelation of the complete grace of God. This is why the title of this series is Saved and Empowered by Grace. Because grace saves you, but it also empowers you. 
Grace gives you strength. He says, I've worked harder than any of the other apostles. Yet, it was not I, but God who was working through me by his grace. Grace empowers you to even, grace churches should outgive legalistic churches. Grace people should, uh, should have more generosity. They don't need any compelling. Grace churches should have more miracles. They should have more working for them. You know why? Because it's not them working. It's the grace of God fueling them to get results. But over here, we have grace churches that lack intensity. You know, I live my life intense. I like to live at the level of intensity uh, that's a little higher than an average person. You know, those who work around me will tell you this. You know, Pastor T is intense in his approach to life. You know why? Because it's not my strength that's putting the work. It's the grace of God that's putting in the work. All I have to do is to constantly, every single day, depend on that grace. And I can maintain that level of intensity. And when I say intensity, I'm not talking about being mean and being grumpy and just being autocratic. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being a go-getter. I'm talking about not having procrastination in your vocabulary. Man, when we go at the church office, we go. You know why? Because we have grace fueling us. The apostle Paul said, my grace is sufficient. That's what God said to him. He said, my grace is sufficient. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. When you are weak, I am strong, and therefore you are strong. That's what God said to to Paul. A few months ago, uh, a few weeks ago now, you know, uh, uh, my wife got me to uh, uh, join, you know, CrossFit with her against my better judgment. Oh, man. When I'm in that class halfway, I'm thinking, Lord, come now. But you know what I've started doing now? I start speaking grace. Hey, his grace is sufficient. I'm running there. I'm, oh, his grace is 50 burpees. That's what the coach comes and says. 50 burpees. I'm running. Oh, wait, I'm about to pass out. And I start speaking under my breath. His grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. His strength is made perfect. And therefore, when I'm weak, he's strong. And therefore, I'm strong. It's just speaking under my breath. Man, I'll start feeling sorry for the other carnal beings who don't have this kind of power. Because I feel something. I'm telling you the truth. I start feeling something. I, oh, yeah, come on. Give me that dumbbell. Give me that dumbbell. I start feeling something, man. I'm, say, you want how many 50 burpees? Oh, I'll give you 52. True story. Because it's the grace of God. And by the time I'm walking out that gym, man, I'm happy I came. I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. See you tomorrow. The grace of God is available for all of us to become fuel for us in all areas of our lives. Sometimes we get to, we sometimes, you know, think about kicking God out of other areas of our life. Now I take God to the gym. You know, as I'm stacking up that bench press, oh, Shandaraboko said, grace. <laughs> grace. You know, sometimes boys, we lift for ego. There's a lifting to get fit, and sometimes you just lift because the other guy next to you is doing 20s, and you want to show him, okay. <laughs> The big boys are here. And you walk up to him and say, are you, are you using those? <laughs> Knowing very well he ain't using those. <laughs> are you using those? He says, no, I'm not. Give them to me. <sighs> so the grace of God is our fuel. Amen? Romans chapter number 12, verse 1. The apostle Paul in Romans, that's what I like to call the masterpiece of grace. The book of Romans is a masterpiece 
doctrinally and theologically of what grace is. But even in that book, the Apostle Paul, after he finished telling them what grace really is, by about chapter 8, he starts telling them, now use this grace. He said in verse 1 of chapter number 8, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And he says in verse 37, we are now more than conquerors through Christ who loved us and has called us according to his purpose. He begins to tell them, you can now use this grace. And he says in Romans 12 verse 2, do not be conformed now to the patterns of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now you can renew your mind to this grace and begin to produce that which is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And he says in verse 11, now don't be lazy. Because you have a uh, a revelation of grace. Grace people should be the ones that are full of vigor Amen. in life. I'm a grace man. Come on, let's go. Not this grace, this greasy grace. Oh, you know, we're about to sleep. You know, good morning, church. Have you ever seen me come here? Good morning, church. Just lift your Bible. Say, you know, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I I can do what it says I can. No, no. You know why? Because grace fuels us. To be full of life. Watch what the Apostle Paul says. He says, never be lazy, but work hard. Serve the Lord, how? Enthusiastically. Serve the Lord with a little bit of gusto, with a little bit of hair. Come on. When you show up, people must know you've showed up. Amen? Because you have a revelation of grace. That Jesus already paid for it, and all I'm doing is use the fuel of what he paid for. This is why I'm never intimidated by any challenge in life. And by the way, I'm preaching grace not to try and cover my own tracks. I mean, I live a holy life. I eat a donut, just one donut at every 90 days. So I live a holy life. <laughs> one donut every 90 days. And abstain. Coca-Cola only in December. So I'm, I'm not trying to cover my own tracks. Someone once came to us, you know, Chipo and I, we bought this little speaker called the Google speaker. We put it in our house, and someone came to us and said, hey, uh, Pastor T, do you know that the people at Google are going to be eavesdropping uh, your conversations, and they're going to be listening to you because of this Google thing? The reason I got it was because you just tell it to play one praise and worship songs, and it chooses the other 99. It just continues playing, so it saves you time, it saves you uh, uh, effort of creating a playlist and so on and so forth. And so that's the reason why we bought it. And someone said, but the people at Google are going to be listening to your conversations. And I said to him, you know what? What you see is what you get. They're not going to get anything new, I mean, than what's out there already. What you see on Facebook, that's the real guy. That, that's it. So me is already out there, you know. The only thing they can eavesdrop on uh, that might help them is every Thursday they can jump into live group, you know, and we might get them saved. But guess what? Other than that, there are no secrets. So I'm not preaching grace. It would be a sad day if the motivation was me preaching grace because I'm trying to cover some smarts. No. I'm preaching grace because even with our own holy, little holy effort book with all the ticks ticked and all the stickers on it, that's not how we get into a relationship with God. 
We get into a relationship with God through what Jesus did for us on the cross. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, once you start living your life looking at the cross, he said we should look at Jesus, the author and the finish of our faith. Everything else begins to flow from that. And you begin to see transformation, not just in your own life, but in those around you. And I'm out of time. Why don't you stand on your feet? Did that bless you? Thank you, Jesus. Someone shout, I am saved. I am. By God's grace and not my own efforts. The life that I live now is a life of the gospel, the life of good news. Wherever I go, it's going to be good news. Glad tidings. Because the power of God is released by the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today. We